Welcome back to another episode of The Junction. We're jumping right into it, talking about one of my favorite things in the world, marketing. Yep. One of Chase's favorite things in the world, AI, automation. Oh, well, I love marketing too. <laughs> I know. But if, if it's kind of like the perfect blend, right? So I, you're definitely on the, the bleeding edge of this stuff. And I, I actually, I've been meaning to ask you, do you have some sort of bot that's like surfacing the latest, greatest AI content that's dropping right into your like Slack channel or Discord or something? Like, how do you stay on top of this stuff? It is moving so fast. You know, it, it actually died on June 30th. Reddit had a, oh. uh, a big API fupa and, uh, I don't know. We don't have any pull on this podcast, but if we did, I would tell them to revert what they did so they could bring Apollo back. Um, but uh, it 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 goes to a lot of the communities where people are enthusiastic about what's going on, and not that the community died, but the uh, the vehicle through which uh, that was happening, the, uh, the the wheels fell off. But uh, I say all that. You know, it, it is moving so quickly that it is extremely difficult to keep up with. I mean, some of the, um, if you're involved in GitHub, like you can have a community project where people are actively coding with you on behalf of maybe your own project and y'all are pushing the barriers forward. Well, one of these projects, AutoGPT, has had thousands of uh, pull requests where people are coding and helping out to push the boundary, and you can't even keep up. The the founder, if you will, or the guy that started it is is struggling to build out a team of volunteers, right, that can keep up with this stuff. And what's really interesting is that it's moving so fast that the news can't keep up with it, right? And the only way to, to keep up with it is to have your hands in and on it and doing anything with it at all. Because if you don't, like, that, you're not going to be able to keep track of all the news. You know, in the beginning, you know this, when this stuff first started coming out, I don't know, a few months ago, in the last year, I was very apprehensive. Um, there was an enthusiastic... Defensive, you might say? Defensive. I was apprehensive. Okay. I'm okay with change, right? I, I, I feel like I'm a, an adapter, adopter of new strategies, especially within my domain of marketing, but the way that it was positioned to me in my feed on LinkedIn or on Slack was almost scary. Right. Like I'm like, I, I kind of went to the, is my job okay? Is my job safe? Uh, you know, are they basically going to outsource marketing to a bot that's going to go build this website and post on social and right. So it was the initial fear of not understanding. And then to your point, actually using it and then becoming like open-minded to, well, how are other marketing marketers using it? And right. there wasn't, there was very few talking about it in a positive connotation too. Initially it was, oh, the copywriting's trash. Like don't, you know, all right. you marketers that are going right. to go blo write blogs, all of your content's going to get oh, buried yeah. in Google SERP. And that's, that's where my head was at. And so I'm thinking, yeah, this is like, you can't write authentic content. There's no way that you can possibly, um, you know, go do this with this tool. And then once you started using it, especially once I started to learn more about having your own tool set, 
Yeah. Because that was the other thing was anything I put in here, it's going to remember. And I wanted to be careful. There was, there was, you know me, I'm very compliant. Yeah. But that's where my head went. And then once I started actually getting my hands on the keyboard and using transcripts and asking it questions, and even then I was a little apprehensive, like, where's this all going? But then I started seeing the insights and I was like, this is silly. Yeah. Like if we're not using, like, how can we, there's no way we can't not use these tools in marketing. Well, you, you, uh, you as a marketer should know that, uh, bad news sells, right. And good news doesn't. And I'm going to plug John Krasinski here for a hot take. He came out with this show in the middle of COVID called some good news. And the whole thing was about Very familiar. Yes. Good news. Yeah. Great dude. Love all of his shows. He does great work, but, um, the media loves to sell this idea of like, hey, this hot new thing came out and it's going to destroy your world. You know, like, well, that's going to get a click. Whereas like, hey, auto GPT came out and it's going to make your life so much easier. Like naturally it gets less clicks. And I don't necessarily despise the media because of that. I know they're trying to report and do as best as they can. I mean, nobody walks into the room and says, hey, how do I report on this poorly? But ultimately, you know, I can understand why a lot of people would start to wonder about their job, even as maybe a like uh, a, a I'm not the best developer in the room, but some of our developers. Uh, I think you're the only developer in this room. <laughs> okay, that might be true. But, you know, some of us are wondering like, well, is this thing going to outcode me, right? Like, can it code better than I can? And it actually goes back to one of the episodes uh, that we had um, a few back where we were talking about original content. And maybe in the past, at least if you're in the SEO world, they call it content is king. Marketing, maybe a little bit, content is king. And I think what we're going to naturally progress into is that original content is king. And that's one of the things that large language models are not going to be capable of. for the time being, right, is coming up with these brand new ideas that gain traction that people get excited about. And I won't say they'll never be able to do it. They'll not be able to do it yet because they're naturally predicting uh, stuff based off of knowledge that they have pulled out of the existing internet. If you looked at GPT 3.5 or 4.0, right, a lot of that's based on everything that's 2021 and prior. Right. Anything beyond that, they really don't have a good understanding. So, Anyway, content is king is is the old way and uh, uh, original content is king is the new way. Well, I think when you start to consider the use cases in a safe or compliant environment, right? Because initially, even we did, Venn Technology, we came out with a no-use policy, right? Like we were, not because we didn't want to embrace it, we just wanted to use it responsibly on behalf of our clients and our partners and also to protect our team. Absolutely. So we've since, you know, opened up the conversation internally and we're having conversations like this with our teams. And obviously we've run things through legal. You should do that if you are considering deploying an AI strategy, seek legal counsel to kind of give them some use cases. Just kind of a side note there, but I've started to look more at this tool as that, I don't know, internal Google, right? Like mm-hmm. it's the things that you can go ask it in yeah. your own database. So a couple of very, uh, I think, low-hanging fruit in terms of use cases for marketers today. Expedite your research. Like you can, I keep going back to call transcripts, 
but that's a really easy use case. A lot of us are using Zoom. I don't actually know if like Microsoft Teams has some sort of transcription service or part of it. I know when we even drop videos in Slack, Slack has an attempt at transcribing it. But even then, like these tools are so cheap if you need to go pump it into a a tool to give you a transcript and then you can go upload it into uh, OpenAI. Obviously, it's a lot easier in a tool like OpenAI because I ran into this with with uh, using ChatGPT where I was having to upload it in chunks yeah. and that was frustrating. Oh, yeah. I'm actually still running into a little bit of the tokens limit on some of mine just given the call. But if you can go just take historical transcripts and start putting those into a tool like the, one of these AI tools, because there are a lot out there outside of OpenAI. I think Jasper is another one I've heard a lot of marketers using. Mm-hmm. I haven't used it myself, but um, you can collect insights so much more quickly than you would in a more traditional, like calming through and listening to videos. But other ways that marketers go collect insights from their clients, for example, or the market is conducting surveys, right? Yeah. Help it. It can go write it for you if you still want to deploy a survey. But I would argue that the data is already living in your CRM. Yeah. Like your, we always, I always want to know what calls did prospects ask? Like I'm asking the sales team, what calls? Yeah. I don't know. I'm on to the next one. Right. Yeah. It's not because that they don't remember. It's just like they got to move on to the next, they got to move on to the next thing. I've tried asking at the end of the week. Yeah. What was the top question you got from a prospect? If you do that, once a week, every week for 52 weeks, you got 52 prospect questions and then you're going to start to have like trends. Yeah. But what if I can just go like c- compile that information and. Oh, naturally. Yeah. So those are just like, that's one thing is just the research aspect of it. But then, you know, uncovering new, um, you know, new products or verticals that you'd be going into, like just based on it, looking at the transcripts and the things that your prospects and partners are saying. Yeah. Okay. I got to switch it up though. I'm probably the most optimistic person in the building. I, I love to think about the best case scenario. I want you to put on your pessimistic hat, right? And tell me, how is this bad? How is this hurting marketers? Here's a quick example. In my mind, I'm thinking like, well, I could ask this thing to write a blog, right? Um, Write a blog about how Salesforce is great for my company. And it spits something out and I put it on HubSpot, I publish it, and boom. Hey, check me out. I just wrote a blog. Yeah. Tell me how that is bad for a company. Well, it's a slippery slope because you're, especially if you don't have AI assisted or you have no editorial oversight, so you certainly never want to go put a blog out that from ChatGPT or any other tool that you didn't uh, scrub or put your own brand, tone, voice, all those things. But you also have to consider if you can do it that fast and let's say, wow, that that one blog took me 10 minutes or an hour, even if it took you two hours. And for us, like it could take eight hours to actually go and do the research and write a blog and talk to the subject, subject matter experts. Let's say you go generate 10 more and you start publishing them out. Google's going to see that. Wow. They usually post one blog a week, every Monday. They just posted 10, right? Like that's the worst thing you could do. That's a simple, that's a simple example. Like you're going to get downranked. 
And when people go search on those terms, you're not going to get surfaced, right? That's the first thing. I just think don't, because you can do it fast doesn't mean you should then deploy it fast. Mm. So if you can go generate content quickly, then you just gave your, bought yourself more time to uh, package it and prepare it for deploying out to your audience. Um, so that's just like my first word of caution. I just don't, I think that's really dangerous, really slippery slope. Yeah. The blog is an easy one. Um, and then, you know, in terms of volume, just because you can do it fast doesn't mean that you should now be posting, well, we can go generate 10 blogs a week. That doesn't mean you should go publish 10 blogs a week. Right. I think any marketing department, especially if you have content focus, you have content pillars and things that you are, you know, you obviously want to talk about. And then you have the, we want to entertain, we want to inspire, we want to educate type thing. And if you just start like willy nilly throwing content out there, even if it's all within uh, a very specific set of keywords, where's the gut check? Mm -hmm. Like you're bringing in leads now based on what you think is like the keyword that's going to bring them into the site. And now they're asking questions of your sales team that they read something in some article, some blog, how's your sales rep going to even... Hot dang. Yeah, like how are they going to know how to respond to that? Right. I I think in general, like just as much as marketing's job is to educate the prospect, we're always doing the same thing internally, right? And it's not necessarily education, but more awareness of like, here's, here's how we're positioning our company out in the market and our service and our products. And so you're making sure that you're in alignment internally. Would you say that I'm digging myself a hole if as a business owner I'm going and writing 20 blogs on something I think I'm, and maybe I am a true expert in, but I'm letting really without a ton of oversight, letting GPT write the blogs for me? Like am I digging myself a hole or is that something that I could dig out of? Or by the time I realize it, it's going to be too late. Are you starting fresh? Yeah, absolutely. Like I don't have any, I'm, you know, I'm trying to spin up a new business. I'm trying to figure out how to do marketing. You know, I'm doing everything. I'm wearing all the hats. I'm going to have GPT write me 20 blogs on my, my topic of interest. Like, did I already, am I already screwed or is that something that I can pull myself out of? I think again, there is no such thing in our space or at least as long as we will use the tool that we don't have some sort of editorial. Like it's human assisted AI, Yeah. right? Like we, there has to be a human element. And if the blog, once the person you've drawn in your prospect or you've drawn in, you've created a community, an audience around particular pieces of content. And if once they get on the phone with you, like there's a disconnect, Mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like you then, or you don't know, the things that you're putting out in your blogs or your content, then you've lost. Like you are digging yourself a hole and you can't get that sale right. back. So I do think it's a slippery slope. I think it's a great tool for, you know, hey, what are things top of mind to your prospect and trying to understand um, your persona and the challenges that they're facing. And then, you know, what are the keywords and then going and writing um, kind of some outlines based right. on that. Maybe even if it's you're the business owner and you pull up the prompt and you record yourself talking about it for 10 minutes, put that in a chat GPT 
and then have it write you a blog. Boom. That's uh, something we need to do, that little thing that you said we should do where we like carve out and circle, highlight, whatever, and like put that out on social <laughs> where the guy goes and like actually does it while he's recording because that's what, that's like golden. I mean, that's the biggest thing any marketer will tell you uh, as long as I've been in, in the space and I heard someone talking about it last week who's been doing this a lot longer than me. If you can just get, it's always like, if I can just, just get five minutes of your time, if I could, let's, let's walk and talk right in the hallway. Cause you're, you know, that that Salesforce consultant or that product developer or that CEO is on to their next meeting or into their next task and they don't want to talk to marketing. Right. Or, or maybe they are legitimately too busy to or they're legitimately too busy. And so it's, it was always like, I have this visual of me like almost running down the hallway, like writing down, like just give me three bullet points yeah. and I could build a blog or a yeah. piece of content off yeah. of that. Now it's, you know, if you can just get, it was always, it's like, oh, let's get them on a webinar. Yeah. Let's get them on a podcast. And now you have 30 minutes or an hour of them actually talking their vernacular, their tone of voice. And so we're kind of like moving into that. If, yeah, if you're, if you are a expert in your field and you're starting a business, just start, pull out your phone and voice memo. Love I tell it. Scott to do that all the time. And now pop it, take that transcript, put it in there and tell it to summarize it into a blog format. Right. I mean, let's be real though. If, if you're only giving your marketing team five minutes in the hallway while you're walking to your next meeting, you, you maybe, maybe you're, maybe you're doing it wrong. No, I like to think that, you know, I've developed that rapport over time, but there is, there is that right. Like marketing teams, sometimes it can be your own to your, your own fault or to your own detriment that you build out these personas. Maybe at one point it was collaboratively with sales um, or with, with their product teams. If you kind of sit in a cross-functional role, but at one point in time, you built out a persona and you know their challenges like the back of your hand and their objections and you're going and like getting those questions and you're writing content based off that. And if you're not bouncing it off of those teams or you're not mining, like spending regularly spending time um, sitting in on their meetings, right. understand new product releases or how sales is selling this new product or service, then yeah, you can start doing stuff in a vacuum. Yeah. Well. I will be the first to say that I think it's like there's this saying like when when there's a slump in the economy, marketing is the first to go kind of thing. For for me as a, a personal standpoint, like marketing will be the last to go because it is much harder to sell something without effective marketing. So if you're one of those guys like walking down the hall and you've only got five minutes for your marketing team, like you should uh, you should give me a ring and I'll tell you why uh, you maybe should flip that around. Why don't we uh, switch it up? Talk about uh, what's going on in the news. I love it. Headlines. Okay. ChatGPT isn't coming for your marketing business. But is it? Like, I mean, are they? This is probably speaking to agencies, right? Or, you know, someone who does marketing for a living, maybe. This goes back to, oh no, that's going to start writing websites and blog content and copywriting and designing images. No one's going to need me or yeah. my skills. Yeah. I think it goes into that, um, what's it called, where it's like, um, uh, oh, you you don't believe that you are like this person. Person, There's a word for it. You you have to uh, fake it till you make it kind of mm -hmm. thing, right? Like if you don't believe truly in yourself that you can deliver better work than ChatGPT can, then naturally you're going you're gonna to fall into this fallacy. 
I have a perfect example for you. It's very timely. So last summer, about this time a year, here at Venn Technology, we had this incident where someone after hours, not, not an employee, came to our headquarters to get some sun, laid out a beach towel. They were a little cold and they wanted to get hot, right? They needed some some. They were sunscreen. trying to get a little nice little bronze going, oh. get a little crispy. <laughs> so, you know, this gentleman lays out his towel. We've got cameras everywhere, right? Security cameras. Um, Bradley sees it on the on the ring cameras and says, "Wow, someone is sunbathing outside of Ven." This spiraled out of control. I mean, once I, f- I mean, we sent the guy a pizza, you know, we've got the, I'm like, hey, give me that video footage. All of a sudden, now we're spitballing ideas about, well, this guy's building a tan outside of an office that builds integrations. That's our next marketing campaign. And boom. Do you think ChatGPT could have told me that? Uh, that uh, Venscreen no. would be the next big campaign of 2020. <sighs> I could get there in a really roundabout way, but not from like a kind of a one shot. Oh, yeah. Like now I have all this context. That's our next marketing campaign. I don't know if like like how how much more authentic can you get? I mean, that truly is some of at least that works for Venn. Some of our best ideas are things that happen here in in the office or around us. Right. We've been able to um, kind of flex our personality, so to oh, speak. Sure. We're not that just kind of stuffy B2B right. sort well, of firm. It goes back into the relationship, like what's going on in your life. You know, you, you don't have to have somebody to come tan in your parking lot, right, to build out a marketing <laughs> campaign. You know, it could be like, I don't know, the 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 random news stories where the truck falls on the ground, right, and cash starts flowing out everywhere. And, you know, like you could just build out original content based off of this. It's where you run into trouble and, and with this headline, right? Chat ChatGPT isn't coming for your business. And if you feel like it is, maybe you aren't doing it right. You know, maybe you need to rethink your marketing perspective, your sales perspective, and how you're going about and working and doing those things. Agreed. You have another headline for us? Oh yeah. This one is uh this one's real it's in all bold. It says why relying on AI <laughs> I hate to laugh. Why relying on AI in advertising is hurting creative innovation. And I think this particular article is referring to like the stable diffusions, the ones that are generating uh, images based on prompts and, you know, from a more creative artsy, like let's generate some graphics, why that can be problematic. And, and to be frank, this is probably one of the use cases where maybe there is a little bit more uh, concern from these folks because the the artwork that is being generated is is actually kind of really good. I haven't played with that at all. Have you? Oh, I I've played a lot yeah. with it, and I've seen what people are doing. And and to be frank, like this is an area where, and maybe I'm just like the tech guy and all I do is read words all day, right? Like I'm not an art guy. I, I can't tell, you know, like the Mona Lisa from, a, you know, like some fake one. I have no idea. And so maybe it's just my inability here to tell from one thing from another. But from what I've seen, like the the use cases, and Adobe has has shown this to be really interesting. Like you can take a small picture, right? And then you can, and I'm 
paraphrasing here, right? You drag out the deal and it will fill in the content of what it thinks the rest of the picture would have looked like if it existed. And it's actually pretty good. Um, and so my concern isn't that we're going to have, you know, um, from a marketing perspective, graphic design kind of die out and GPTs really, or the, the, you know, the AI is really going to take over here. But the bigger concern is going to be like, well, who generated this? You know, like you get more into the ethical kind of things. Like, well, where, where did it, where did it train on? Did it train on copyrighted works? And is that a problem or should we be worried about that? Like, are we going to get into a lawsuit because I trained on the Mona Lisa and all these copyrighted things? Or, you know, is Disney going to come after me because I trained off of Mickey Mouse? Right. Um, but, and, and I, th I think there is legitimate concern there and you have to spend time thinking about it. And if you are a business and you are, you are a marketing agency, you should spend more time here thinking about what you should do because ultimately all of these models are trained off of data and, from like a blog perspective, you can't really copyright a blog, but you can copyright an image. And that's where things get really murky because nobody knows the data that the model was used to train on. And then it starts generating things that kind of look like Mickey Mouse. But eh, I don't know. Maybe, it, you know, if you got into a courtroom, like maybe you'd win, maybe you wouldn't. But if they figured out that you trained on copyrighted material, like that's going to be a big legal battle. So is it hurting the advertising industry? I, I honestly don't know. I don't know. Mel, what do you think? I, all these things are true. I agree with you. Um, it's something that if you're not already understand, I, I haven't played with any of the art or more artistic imagery generating type stuff. I really haven't. Um, I've been more preoccupied and fascinated that, you know, here's the, here, digging into the CRM and just like trying to understand how we can generate written content. Um, I will say in the previous, in an earlier episode, you talked about how the authentic content will rise to the top. There was a great example the other day. I saw, I think I was scrolling through Instagram. There was a business that hired a nine year old kid to decorate their restaurant with his doodles, and he was actually getting in trouble at school for doodling. I mean, you talk about, and now this thing is like blown up. It's all over the headlines. Oh yeah. They didn't have an AI bot do that. Yeah. Nine-year-old kid came in yeah. and plastered the walls in his doodles. It's, it's awesome. actually pretty neat, you know? So things like that, uh, we've actually talked, we've thrown around some ideas here internally. I'm not going to like um, go too far, but we've thrown around some ideas that would require, let's just say some illustration. And could we leverage tools to go do it faster Probably, but there's also an element of auth just pure authenticity that you're never going to see that anywhere else because you've got, you've hired an artist or you're working with someone internally to go generate that. So I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence when it comes to, I think it's great from a, we all want to be on brand. Like, is that the right like color usage and font? And like, you know, let's follow the brand guidelines. Can we feed it that? Can it, fact check us are there tools out there that can you know we can up, we know we can preload up uh, templates and things like that but I don't know I don't really know where my take is on kind of the visual arts of it all because I do I come from and myself and Randall um, who's on my team is in the room too we both at one point in time or another in our backgrounds have like been painters and like illustrators and you kind of have this like 
don't know, there's something to that. Yeah. No one's going to take away my paintbrush. Right. If I want to go paint at home, I can, right? <laughs> if I want to start selling it, I can. Give me that paintbrush. I don't know that anyone's going to buy what I'm painting, but I, I do echo your sentiment around like understanding if you're training on something, are there copyright infringements and how is it going to be used? Well, one thing we haven't even talked about is you, you think about, um, like from a business perspective, material that is generated, right? And it's got the picture of a face, right? Somebody that, uh, you know, when I was at uh, Texas A&M working at Mays Business School, we actually had uh, professional or executive MBA students come in and we would take pictures of them. And I mean, naturally, uh, Aggies are really good looking, of course, and right. And from a uh, Not pictured on this recording is my eye roll. Oh. No. I can't okay. see it. That's no, great school. It's too small. Um, but they would take pictures of these folks, right? And then they'd show up in the marketing material and look great, of course, right? But now you can generate photorealistic uh, images of people and those models, right, if you will, are now no longer needed. And where were, what were, who, uh, who was a part of that training set, right? Like how did that how did the model know what the picture should look like? Well, it was trained off of somebody. Well, that person has can copyright their own image. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot of uh, murkiness here. And it's probably the one area of AI that I am just not the best person to talk to because I, I can't speak to it one way or another. Some of the content that I've seen generated by AI is really good. You're like, wow, that looks really awesome. The only place that I can definitively say that AI will maybe never get there is when you look at paint, like actual paint brushes. Like sure. you can't necessarily replicate that. And somebody would probably say, ah, well, actually I can do that. Um, but for the most part, like right now, AI is contained within, you know, the internet, right. Or some kind of digital experience. So right. for the folks that are painting with paint, you, you probably don't have to worry about for a while. Yeah. Well, I, in general, I do think there's, there's a lot of upside for marketers and as is kind of the conversation from episode to episode, it's, we realize there's risks. We, we get stuck in the optimism category a lot because we're excited about it. We're exploring what it can do, but I, I do think that we need to continue to understand how we can glean insights faster as marketers and get those out to the market quicker. Answer questions faster. If you roll out an annual survey once a year, like by the time you get those insights out to your... Too late. Uh, way too late, right? And same goes internally. I mean, even we we did a webinar recently uh, about finance and AI. I absolutely leveraged OpenAI for the recording to help me build the outline of the blog, pull out key quotes, key moments. It would have taken me so much long. I mean, it would have, would have taken me so much longer and I would have probably a, a few more weeks yeah. to actually get it out to the market. And we had a lot of excitement around it and momentum. So figuring out how to use these tools to capitalize on that and then also to be able to pivot because your message could be, um, you know, maybe you have to, like like we talked about in the drip campaign, What's, what's not working? You know, if yeah. you spend six months doing that and you're not asking this, uh, those questions naturally, and then you have a tool that can at least help quickly um, give you some, some feedback. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty powerful. Well, we're, we're interested in how you are utilizing 
the AI models, the language models, if you are a uh, individual that is utilizing stable diffusion, tell us how we were wrong. Tell us how you are using it and why or why not this isn't a big deal for you guys. Uh, feel free to email us at uh, thejunction at ventechnology.com. And we look forward to hearing from you guys. And uh, if you want to send us an audio clip, do that as well. We'll totally play it on a future episode. And or talk send about us it. Your, your images. Or yeah. send us your images. Maybe, well, maybe we'll tie like a blog into this whole thing and yeah. um, feature let's you a, guys. Let's ask ChatGPT if we should do that. That's a great Does idea. We we just we just promoted our ChatGPT AI into our kind of AI CEO. You know, it's a co-host. We could have a co-host. Anyway, you're my co-host. I'm your co-host. Right, but we could There's have a third co-host. ChatGPT. Yeah, like they could they could join us. No. Original. We could change our segments to where we start asking questions. See, look at us go. We're okay. iterating on the fly. I like it. Keep it automated, y'all.